back to the Monica Matthews Show. Happy Monday to you, September the 28th, 2020. Ooh, the day is rapidly approaching. The president was here in my home city this past Friday to address black Americans via Black Voices for Trump. Had a, a handsome crowd, civil rights leaders, others, business owners, GOP representatives, Tea Party representatives. It was kind of across the board. People who have fled the Democrat Party. People who have hashtag walked away. Yes, they were there as well. It was um, it, it was inspirational. I'll tell you that. Uh, I went to the very first Black Voices for Trump uh, event here in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, just last year. And the president, for sure, has, you know, at the time he was asking, hey, how do, what do you guys want to be referred to as? Blacks or African Americans? He just threw his hands in the air and was like, all right, enough. I keep, I, I interchangeably, I use African American, blacks. Blah, blah, blah. Um, without even a hesitation, the entire room started shouting black. So, no one in the room wanted to be referred to as African-American. So all of you white folks out there who feel really confused and guilty about what's PC and what's not, just go with black. I got to tell you, some of my black friends are extremely offended by African-American because I think it's ridiculous because they don't align themselves with anything African for whatever reason. It's their choice. Maybe their lineage is from Africa. I have no idea. But they don't like it, mainly because they consider themselves Americans who happen to be black. Right. So there you go. Let yourself off the hook today. Exhale. Mm -hmm. The president actually got that cleared up for us, white folks, that it is okay to say black Americans. Uh, He has certainly hit a stride with black Americans, a comfort level that I am really pleased to see because I got to tell you, in this day and age of Black Lives Matter, PC culture, cancel culture, um, you know, we don't know what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. Corporations no longer, you know, carrying certain items. Um, What was the latest? Someone who told the truth, a.k.a. disparaged, according to the left, Black Lives Matter, about Black Lives Matter, uh, on their social media feed. I believe it was someone who owns, like, a pimento cheese company. And either Sam's or Costco, pretty sure it's Sam's. I could be wrong. One of those warehouse places has decided that they're no longer going to carry his brand because of their solidarity to and with Black Lives Matter, the Marxist, communist, man-hating, man-eating, anti-nuclear family 
abortion-supporting terrorist group, which the president went so far as to refer to as a terrorist group, along with Antifa. Strikingly, though, Christopher Ray believes that it's an ideology, not an organization. And I'm thinking to myself, how stupid is that? Every organization has an ideology. Uh, even Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there with them. Guess what that means? His ideology is there with them. You cannot possibly convince America, Christopher Ray, that there aren't, that this isn't a syndicate. This is not a crime syndicate because they send out help signals for uh, for unloading trucks, for renting trucks, for showing up in cities, uh, urban cities, uh, metropolitan cities across the across the nation, where they're about to, you know, riot, terrorize, loot, burn, kill, destroy, you know, all those things that that revolve around their ideology, which is anarchy. It is to overthrow the United States government, which is treasonous and should be treated as such. I've talked about the RICO statute on on this show, just started on it last week. Cannot stress the importance of utilizing that enough on a federal level as well as your state levels. I hope to have someone on uh, this week who is uh, much more attuned to things of that nature, who can educate us com- uh, comprehensively on RICO statutes, particularly here in the state of Georgia. When you have a syndicate and you have a the head of that syndicate is responsible for coordinating the web to make sure that certain things go off at a certain time for nefarious reasons, for destruction, crime. You know, there's usually criminal activity involved. The overthrowing of the United States government or your state governments would probably and should be considered, Christopher Ray a crime worthy of litigating and sentencing and executing a, a, a punishment for that's called due process and law. So Christopher Ray does not believe that Antifa is an organization which keeps them in the shadows. When you're not able to connect the dots to when, when the heads of the Hydra um, when the person who has the authority in the land to look at the Hydra and say, okay, here's the taproot to the Hydra. Here are all the different heads, and they all prescribe and subscribe to one specific ideology, but they're all called forth in the name of Antifa. Remember, two or more gathered in my what? In my name. In the name of Antifa, anarchy, anti-fascist, which is completely... Just dramatic. It's lie. Lie numero uno. It is completely fascist. That is the entire cause is to usher in fascism. It is nuts. So, but as we know, the left is filled with wordsmithing. Um, to, to mainly, I mean, it's like the, it's like the, it's like a gaslighting syndicate. Have you ever been gaslighted? Ever date someone who's really good at gaslighting you? Usually malignant narcissists are really good at this, where 
they have the ability to make you think you're crazy about everything. So they change your words. They tell you what you know for sure you saw is not what you saw or what you heard is not what you heard. They accuse you of exactly that which they are doing. Um, they make you think you're nuts. It, and it takes years for men and women to unravel the nest. They're like a, like I get this vision of a ball of snakes. They're like vipers because it attacks your psyche to the point where you don't trust your, you no longer trust yourself. That's what's been happening since the Obama administration in this country. And we bought it. I'm going to tell you why we were such easy prey for it. Because of our national guilt over slavery. That that clearly was latent. And whether guilt runs through, you know, people's lineages or whatever, I think it's the godliness in us that looks at something like slavery and the atrocities thereof and, and therein. And we think, oh, that is horrible. Like, who in their right mind would want to subscribe to that today? Although it's happening all over the world today, right? But most of us with a God heart and a God mind, a God psyche, the author of liberty and justice, okay? We look at that and go, yeah, that's not right. We, we already know that. But you got to take it one step further to gaslight someone and guilt them into handing over their liberties, into uh, not defending the citizens of their cities and states, into telling the National Guard to stand down, into firing on the president no matter what the cost, right? So that is gaslighting. We have a national gaslighting occurring right now. I don't, I don't know if you realize that, but so it's time for us to most of us are like waking from our slumber and kind of shaking that off. And, and the reason why you see a lot of anger on social media particularly is because people are realizing that they've been duped. And when someone feels like they've been duped or they've been blatantly, their voice has been uh, manipulated or silenced for so long because because you're a little confused about what's happening around you. Apathy sets in. Right before apathy sets in, though, this is a good thing. I want to help you see why the anger going on right now is actually not the worst thing. The worst thing that could happen is we feel nothing. Some of you are in marriages or you've divorced from a marriage where you literally just felt nothing. You have resigned yourself to whatever, whatever the outcome is. We're just going to hang in there for the kids, you know, whatever, or I'm just going to suffer through it. I'm too sick. I'm too broke. I'm too whatever. She's too pretty. I'm too ugly. I'm too fat. She's too thin. Whatever your excuse is for just turning on the apathy light and crawling into your recliner of life and turning off your emotions, turning off any opinions, turning off passion. Kefi is what we call it in in Greek. We call it your kefi. Your kefi is your spirit. It's your life force. Many, many of you are walking day to day, living day to day in a, in lives that you're, you're just like zombies because that's what life does over time, when you don't process through it, when you don't have a filter of the author of liberty 
with which to process through. Um, you don't have his eyes to see things through, his understanding, his heart, in order to forgive and move forward to make the hard decisions that don't always please everyone around you, um, to make the selfless decisions as well, to forgive. To forgive. You know, on my prayer calls on Saturday, I've asked people, if you're going to join us, please read Isaiah 58 before you join us because it's God's chosen fast and it has nothing to do with food. It has everything to do with cleansing our own heart, which is why I end every show with be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And if you're an American, act like one. I do that because everything starts in our own mirrors, right? Everything begins with us. So apathy. So I hope that that can, that will bring you a little bit of ease in, in when you're, when you're perusing and trolling on social media and you see all of this wrath and this anger and it just, it disgusts you and you're, and you're like, what the heck? Who are these people? I, I mean, who are we anymore? And you find yourself, you know, jumping in the, in the boat too. I would encourage you to pray. Be grateful that people still feel something and then pray that people wouldn't feel so powerless. Pray that people would not feel so powerless and that people would be able to forgive beginning in your own mirror because that's where our power is. Our power is also understanding the rules of engagement. Our power is understanding how things go. Understanding systems, right? I love this. The man I'm dating, brilliant. He has taught me so much about the power of understanding the rules of something. Because if you understand the rules of any organization or a country, a church, you know, whatever, your community, your family, for God's sakes, you understand the constitutional boundaries, right? Uh, how about legislative rules, congressional rules, the Senate rules, right? Everybody's freaked out because the, the Democrats are trying to do away with the filibuster, right? Well, what is a filibuster? So you go through that whole process of understanding what the rules of engagement are. Why? So you can play chess and move the pieces around the board and you don't fall prey to all of the, to the low information voter frenzy. And I, and I don't say that with credit, with judgment. It is, it is critical, but it's not meant to be condemning. It's meant to be eye opening to give you who is an informed voter, uh, a little compassion, some passion to actually educate people who want to be educated on how processes work, what the Constitution actually says, why that's important to their life and liberty and justice, okay? So low-information voters are held hostage by their emotions, and that happens when you don't understand the rules and how to play within them. And how to play the rules against the rules. And it not be illegal. It doesn't have to be immoral. You know, the sanctimony of the poor in this country is truly astounding. Or the middle class who are interested in keeping the poor poor. You know, I said something today. I had a revelation. I was sending out invitations to my daughter's upcoming engagement. 
bash that I'm hosting in my home. And I've invited a few political people who at one point in time or another, because this is what I've done on terrestrial radio here in the city of Atlanta for the past five years until recently, um, I may or may not (laughs) have said some unfavorable things about certain candidates because I was on one team or another because that's me. You never have to guess where I stand. And I reserve the right to change. How about that? My former pastor emboldened me with that ideology. I reserve the right to change as long as I'm evolving. As long as my progression is not actually regression, right? As long as it's always liberty-minded for myself and for others, I'm good to go. All right. So there may or may not have been a few campaigns locally where I came out pretty hard-hitting because I saw it as war, and I and I decide, and I effectively drew my lines of uh, delineation in the sand, where it was like, "I'm on this team, your team sucks," <laughs> and I can laugh about it now because, thankfully, these folks were bigger than our politics, and ended up extending the olive branch to me to say, "Hey, you know, it got a little heated." I get it, you know, but, and, and this is actually a very politician thing to do. Like your enemies in politics are usually very temporary. If you're a politician, because you know, at some point in the future, you're probably, that person may not always remain an enemy. Your enemy today may be your support tomorrow and vice versa. Like never get comfortable with supporters because from one uh, campaign to the next, you could lose them. People are fickle, y'all. I mean, I learned that when I lost my job at my radio station and false accusations and defamation was flying across uh, multiple uh, mediums of, of news that they actually control and people believed it. It was really people who know me, I thought they did, believed the lies that were being shared about me. It was very disheartening. It took me a couple of months to get past that. I'm not going to lie because it disparaged my character. And it bothers me. It bothers any of us. But and mainly because I'm not a really good politician. I do take things personally. So, but I said today, and I tweeted it first thing this morning. I was like, wow, you know what? My friend, my, my, my acquaintances rather, in politics have exercised more grace toward me than some of my own friendships. I'm inviting a few folks who I, we, you know, had, they extended that they gracefully and graciously extended the, the olive branch to me after their races and they were defeated. And I'm not gloating. I was really, it moved me. It taught me. It, it took me to another level and it helped me to evolve and understand that you don't have to get Like, it doesn't have to become a personal battle with people. And when I'm running a campaign, I will not allow my candidate to do that. I will not allow our campaign to go down that road. Other people spend day and night finding crap on other folks. And and these particular people were attempting to do that in my personal life as well. And that's kind of where I draw the line. Like, you come after me in my personal life, I'm probably going to politically uh, decapitate you. 
politically, not physically. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to crush you because that's how I fight. So I was pleased to see that as I filled out my, my addresses today, that grace can and should prevail. So I hope that blesses you. Back to low information voters. Whenever it comes to things like the president's uh, taxes, right? A lot of your low, the reason why the Democrats are screeching about this right now is because they believe this is going to be like a blow to the president. Like like uh, people who are struggling, see what they do? They They create the atmosphere and the environment for struggle. And then while you're down in the mud, they show you how the person who actually brought you up out of struggle after the past eight years of an, of an Obama administration for the past three to four years, the, the black community, the middle-class community, hell, even the corporate community, everyone has been thriving. Minorities, we've all been, the rich, we've all been thriving as a nation, which we have not had a single second to celebrate, by the way, because that's how the left operates, as, de, as does the demonic. You are never allowed to relish and celebrate what God does for you, according to the enemy. You have to really hold that ground because he comes immediately to steal and kill and destroy. Immediately, the Bible says. There's no delay, all right? So we've had no delay of injustice after injustice after injustice. They've been trying to get a hold of his tax returns for forever to say, see, he doesn't care about you all. He's a fake. He's a phony. He's lying. He's a fraud. He is a caricature of himself. He's nothing but a showman. He's a showboater. And apparently these taxes are supposed to make us give a damn about what type of an income or taxes the president pays. I got to tell you, as for me and my house and the majority of my followers, no one cares. No one cares. We see what he's done for us to be able to step up and prosper in our own lives. So he's kept his promises. Remember, promiseskept.com. He's kept his promises in as much as it's been within his ability to do so, where he hasn't been stifled, right? But this is a big aha moment for the Democrats, man. They are, they are convinced that this is it. This is going to take him out. I don't necessarily agree with that. New York Times has been doing fake story after fake story. I've never seen anything like it. And people understand it. And people, that's why the, the media has such a low approval rating now because of what they've done. Actually, I paid tax. but And you'll see that as soon as my tax returns. It, it's under order. They've been under order for a long time. The IRS does not treat me well. They treat me like the Tea Party, like they treated the Tea Party. And they don't treat me well. They treat me very badly. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. What does he mean by they treat me like they treated the Tea Party? You may or may not recall, but back in, uh, well, actually during the entire Obama administration, but it wasn't until uh, 2017 that a couple of lawsuits were actually settled uh, with the Justice Department and, um, and a couple of other groups, actually several of them, 
Okay. Uh, this is from the New York Times, the president's favorite, <laughs> uh, favorite ragamuffin. The Justice Department settled two lawsuits with conservative groups that claimed the Internal Revenue Service had unfairly scrutinized them during applications for tax-exempt status. Uh, this was during Jeff Sessions' uh, tenure, if you recall, the government agreed to a multi-million dollar settlement to resolve one of the lawsuits, which was which was brought on behalf of, are you ready for this, 428 groups. Can you believe that? I believe it because I know what I've gone through on social media, not very, not through the IRS, but I don't have anything that says Patriot or, you know, I do have clear talk media. And God knows I, you know, I use red, white, and blue in my logo so that that automatically is a red flag, you know, for anyone on the left, they see you as a Trump supporter. If you happen to carry an American flag, that should tell you something, but 428 groups, that's unbelievable. So they were, they were granted a multi-million dollar settlement. All right. The government will not pay damages to the 41 groups in the second lawsuit. But the IRS acknowledged its conduct was wrong. You're right. Oh, I mean, um, unbelievable. The settlements were the conclusion of two legal battles that have dogged the IRS since the initial lawsuits were filed in 2013. Um, found that groups with Tea Party or Patriot in their names received more scrutiny over their applications for tax-exempt status. The revelations plunged the IRS into a firestorm that ultimately led to the ouster of its acting commissioner and prompted accusations, blah, 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 blah. Mr. Sessions is like, you know, there's no excuse for all that, yada, yada. It was a seven-figure uh, settlement for the first one. The second one was uh, was heralded by uh, one of my favorite people in, in the legal world, uh, Jay Sekulow. He was the lawyer for the second group of folks who was comprised of 41 41 groups. They never got an apology, but that's what they wanted. Never came. Uh, The IRS initially apologized to the groups in 2013, uh, the first group, and President Barack Obama later demanded the resignation of Stephen T. Miller, who was the acting IRS commissioner at the time. So we also know that you do recall Miss Lois Lerner, right? Good old Lois, who never saw a day's worth of anything. We, after those hearings, we never heard from her again. She just slinked off into, into the shadows, like most of the Obama administration, right? All I can do is pray that justice will actually prevail in my lifetime regarding that administration. Um, and with all of the things being uncovered now, as soon as we oust Christopher Ray, because he's got to go, if you cannot see that uh, groups are are oriented around an ideology. I realize they're spread out. They're all over the place. But all you got to do is look at the arrest records and see who's coming to get them. They're, they're all part of the same group. They have a logo that in and of itself, you will know them by their symbolism. They have symbolism. They, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's got to be a nexus there at some point, and it's kind of like dealing with criminal gang elements. You know, when you when you see someone with a Crips or Bloods tattooed across their forehead and the little teardrops on the side of their face, and their colors all coincide with a particular ideology, 
it pretty much lends itself to knowing unequivocally that whatever crime has just been committed, yes, you do have to prove that it was committed um, to further the gang's activity, to further their enterprise, to further the efforts of their syndicate. Hello, when you when you are meeting in a downtown area, climbing out of buses together, um, locking arms together in the name of the fists that you're holding in the air, the t-shirts that you're wearing, the things that you're chanting, the flags you're flying, that's that's kind of evidentiary. And again, I don't even play an attorney on this program. <sighs> Some things just are simple. So Christopher Ray's got to go. I think we all agree on that. So the president's like my taxes, okay? They're coming after me like they did the Tea Party groups. So you got to know that's why they come after you as well. Anyone on the right is fair game, according to the left. Now, today, I thought it was interesting. One of my favorite, favorite people ever in all of media world is a colleague, and I'm honored to even call her that. She's just a literary giant. She is extremely well-poised. I love to hear her on anything. She's not frantic. She's very paced. And uh, Molly Hemingway. Molly Hemingway is the senior editor of The Federalist. And she was on Fox today with Brett Baer and our favorite gong show host over at Fox now, uh, Harris Faulkner. And this is what she had to say about the president's tax returns. And, and this, this, this goes hand in hand with what I'm saying about low information voters. Low information voters are usually people who don't have to worry about, or not even worry, but they can't utilize certain aspects of the tax code because they're not in that tax bracket. Really simple stuff, not even partisan, right? And they're not in that tax bracket for a myriad of reasons. Most of the world is not in the same tax category as President Donald Trump, former, you know, uh, layperson Donald Trump, citizen Donald Trump. In, in the real estate industry, right? And there are so many loopholes and rabbit trails and rabbit holes and, and, and things that you can, they're not illegal. But the low information voter doesn't know that. All right, check this out. Molly? Well, if I think if anything was alleged that was illegal or immoral, the New York Times would have put it in the headline. They clearly are working very hard uh, to have something negative about President Trump, uh, but it seemed to kind of land with a dud outside of the outside of the regular echo chambers. You know, depreciation, itemizing deductions, all of these things that he's doing are things that probably all of us do, uh, that most people do when they're filing their taxes. So I'm not quite sure what's supposed to be news. And as Brett noted, the story came out in 2016. And at the time, Donald Trump said he absolutely does not pay more taxes than than he owes. And so if you do have a problem with <laughs> the way he's paying his taxes... That it and that it's legal, then you need to change the law. And so I don't really see this as being a particularly effective hit, even if it was quickly coordinated with the Biden campaign. It's it was coordinated with the Biden campaign for sure. Everything is timely. This is a, this is an epic chess game that we're in right now. It it will be a hit again 
with low, they're not only low information voters. Remember what I said about my boyfriend and, you know, he's like the king of, um, of understanding the rules of engagement because they're important. Anyone involved in politics understands, um, anyone involved in moving the ball down the field, really in any organizational structure understands that Robert's rules of order, all those things are very important because you can invoke certain things at a certain time by a certain person. I mean, it, it, it is the ultimate chess game. And, and if you're smart and you're, stra- and you're a strategic person, then you can make it work to your advantage. And that doesn't have to be nefarious. The intention doesn't have to be nefarious. It should lead to liberation. Let me ask you, if President Trump was, was broke, busted, and disgusted, how much good would he do? the world. How much good would he have done the people around him up to this point? He doesn't take a salary for being the president. He doesn't have to. He doesn't want to. Gives it away. Gives it back to the people, for God's sake. Gives it back to us. He gives us his salary. And, and But some people who are crushed by a spirit of covetousness, they are trapped not only with low information, but even with the information. You can't set those folks free. Because they are idolatrous and they're covetous and they're filled with envy and rage. And they are prey for the left and for the social justice warriors. And that is something for you to understand. For you, that's an arrow in your quiver when it comes to not allowing yourself to get so frazzled and emotional about all this stuff going on. Remember, Emotions are not bad. I'd much rather have you angry than apathetic. <laughs> but it's time for us to to understand what it is we're angry about, with whom it is we are angry, and what we what is within our power. Because one of the reasons why we feel so angry is when we feel powerless in a situation, and you're not powerless. I'm going to say that again. Even in your marriages and your relationships, even with your crazy kid, who won't talk to you anymore. You're not powerless. The power of knowledge and wisdom and grace and mercy and forgiveness, those are godly characteristics that will take you through a troop. It will take you over walls that people have built up in by decades, generations, thousands of years. It, you, will, you will leap over the troop before you and any, whatever that troop represents in your life. And we can do that as a nation. I wholeheartedly believe that. And the president does too, which is why he was at such ease when he spoke with the black Americans this past Friday in my home city of Atlanta through black voices for Trump. And when I saw the ease with which he was speaking with everyone there, I thought in, in the love in his heart, the sincerity, the the things that he's already accomplished, his accomplishment checklist that no one can take away from him. I thought, okay, there it is. There it is. There's our hope. There's our reason to celebrate. That's our reason to keep moving forward with godliness, which doesn't mean cowering in a corner, agreeing with the PC culture. It just doesn't. Speaking of, 
I'll get to that in a minute. This cream of wheat, this this black people on food boxes stuff is about to make me nuts. I don't know about you all, but someone else bites the dust. So we'll get to him in a minute. But with regard to taxes, you know, one of the one of the greatest things I haven't paid taxes in the past five years because I had a capital loss that kicked my ass. Like moons ago, I lost every dime we had in a crazy investment scheme. Thankfully, the schemers before they scheme me out of everything had an insurance policy in place on some, you know, remote romantic island that was actually, I was able to utilize it to offset my loss. But the tax code allowed for me to utilize that capital loss. It was, so it would off, it would be offset against earnings. And I didn't have earned income for many, 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 many years because I was busy taking care of a very chronically ill child and I was on survivor's benefits, and so was she, from the death of my husband. So I I learned a lot about taxation. Um, I've never had a problem with people being wealthy. Um, I do have a problem with people stealing from others, but I am very well attuned to the fact that 60% of our babies in my state of Georgia are born on Medicaid, and if it wasn't for people who went to work, who own businesses, who created jobs, uh, creating a tax income, a taxable income, who would take care of those children? Medicaid babies are paid for by taxpayers. So sure, the burden is is big on the middle class. Hopefully, for me, that's an incentive to get over the hump of middle class. Nothing wrong with being middle class. Be smart. Tell y'all now, I have had a phenomenal tax dude for the past 20 years since that capital loss. Actually, I met him when I came into a windfall of cash and he was doing my taxes and he saw the whole thing go down and he's phenomenal. He's a former IRS, um, what are they called? Oh yeah, auditor. (laughs) Like the devils themselves. He's Jewish. He's amazing. Uh, he's smart. He's a judge. He's an attorney. Like he's on the ball, man. And so, and, and listen, and he holds my feet to the fire. But he also knows where all of these, uh, y'all call them rabbit holes. The left calls them, you know, fraud. But they're not. They're totally legal. So Molly hit the nail on the head. If you don't like what the president has utilized, to pay, maybe it was seven hundred fifty bucks. I just think that's kind of laughable myself. But maybe it was seven hundred fifty dollars that he paid. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I'm not really hung up on it. And I'm kind of hoping that you won't be either, and you won't waste your energy on it. That you will understand that, that there are low information covetous voters who will get on that fur bus, take that free hot dog and a coke and some chips. And a twenty dollar bill to go to the the local strip club, uh, or a bus ride for Granny and Big Mama and them, they will absolutely believe the lies of the left that he is a fraud and that he's been cheating. He's been gaming the system. They will believe that because they don't understand what the system is comprised of, and they're covetous. And that comes through the generations. It is cultural. It is wrong. It is demonic. So I want to encourage you to stand against that. Now, oh, 
got to move on to this other story really quick. And I'm going to close with this because this cancel, this cancel culture stuff is just, it is, it's wearing me down. Cream of wheat is changing its look and will no longer (laughs) feature a smiling black chef on its products. The parent company B&G Foods decided to remove the image more than three months after starting an immediate review of the brand's packaging. The new look will be unveiled early next year and hit stores around the same time. B&G Foods is the latest company to retire racial imagery in the wake of renewed calls for racial equality. Racial imagery in the wake of new calls for racial equality. Dear Jesus, we don't get it, do we? We don't get it. We are equal. We are racially equal because there's only one race. And we were created by the author of life and liberty and equality. We're just not all the same. I got to tell you guys, this bothers me fundamentally, and I hope that someone who has a who has a large, large, larger microphone than mine, hopefully someone like Candace Owens will pick it up and run with it. Hopefully, other Mark, someone who's white or or Jewish who has the stones to like say, "Hey, this is ridiculous. Like, this is what's really going on, right?" If I had a bigger, I'm saying it from my microphone. If you share my work, it'll become a much bigger microphone, which I'm looking forward to. But this right here. It is, it, it is, you're, you're essentially, it's like a systematic erasure of black people in the name of equality. Think about that. The Aunt Jemima lady, her family is like pissed because she received royalties for that. This comes down to a matter of intellectual property. And now you've got the dude in the hat on the cream of wheat box what is what is wrong with that? What what is I mean? What's next? What about barbecue sauce? What about things that are known, you know, within the black culture? And there's like a black picture of someone or someone of a black person. I mean, what? So this is something to think about, and especially for guilty white people who think this is so equalizing and it's about time and it's just you know we should what. Okay, well, if we're going to start taking black people off of everything, then might I suggest we take white people off of everything. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Again, it is like this weird, of course, because it's the enemy's kingdom, it is this weird diabolical dichotomy. It's like a web. It's it's just like this. It's so, I can't even describe what it is. I can see it and I can feel it in the spirit, but it's just such a ball of just, again, vipers and snakes. It's such a, it's such an illusion that, that low, not only low information, but low self-worth individuals buy into and they, and they believe it. To me, this is how I'm coining this, or framing this, systematic erasure. In the name of equality. Leave my cream of wheat box alone. And Aunt Jemima, for God's sakes. I was totally fine with all of that. I was not remotely, you know, strung out over that. And nor should you be either. I mean, we have just, I don't know where we are. 
where are we going with all this stuff? All right, well, you can find me back here tomorrow. Hey, guess what? My store, my store, my store, my store is now up on my website. You can go directly to monicamatthews.com, go directly to the store, order your t-shirts, cups, mugs, all that good cap, all that good stuff. If you're an American, act like one apparel. More slogans are coming up next. Thank you for your support and for sharing my work all over the place. I love you. Be good to your neighbor. Beginning your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.